Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. But as Jess and Hope alluded to already, we're in a, a little bit of a heavy story. We've been tracking along with the, the life of David and doing so in a really fun way. I, I've been teaching over the Psalms. But you're like, well, then why did we read about David? Because he wrote a lot of the Psalms. But the way that we've been doing it is we're actually, we've called it the Psalms of a King. And we're looking at key moments chronologically of David's life where he did something or something happened to him or he ran away from something or he did something bad today. And he responds in a song, a song of worship, a song of lament, a song that started that way and then goes a different direction. And so we've been sitting in them for a while, and this is week five. So if you've missed some of the weeks, I invite you, like you can find them on our podcast. Um, but this morning we're in on, as you, you heard, when David is on a rooftop, spots a woman bathing, and says what I see I want. Because I'm king, she lives in my city. So I can have. And so he takes. And then things don't work out well. So he keeps taking. And he takes a life. And he, he, takes, he takes ownership of, of, of his sin later on. But in the beginning, he just keeps taking, taking, taking. And we, we are found in this very interesting place. And uh, I, I'm excited to dive into it. Many of you, if you know the story, all of you are already trying to guess what psalm I'm sitting in this morning. Uh, if you know Psalm 51... That's a good one, but we're not sitting in there this morning. That's one of the most well-known psalms attached to when David sins with Bathsheba and gets called out by Nathan, the prophet. Which you read. You read that happened already. Uh, we're actually, there's four psalms that people believe, that scholars believe David wrote for songs as a response to Nathan's rebuttal. Nathan's call out. And so the one that we're diving in, if you want to just go ahead and get ready for it, it'll be in a second. It is Psalm 32. And it is a beautiful, short, 10-verse psalm. But I believe the Lord is going to meet us in it. And I am really excited. If you want to prep it yourself for it, go ahead and turn to there. There is a Hebrew word that you will see in the psalms that is, is in this section often. It's the word selah. And if you're familiar with the word selah, it's to pause. And so at every time it says selah, we'll pause and dive in. But this, more than any of the other psalms we've read, has that word often. So we're going to read all 10 verses today, dive into it. But I really believe, like, if we're going to deal with what David had to inevitably deal with, I'd rather do it on this side of sinning than on the back side of sinning, right? Do you understand? Like, if, I, if I'm going to deal with how I reproach the Lord, I'd rather do it and hand him everything before I make a mess of myself, right? Anyone else? Like, I, I would love to understand a little bit about how to, to engage in what the Lord, his blessings, his provision long before I... So we're going to learn from David's mistakes. Maybe we can connect some of our own to it. Um, but you'll see in every stanza, if, you are, if you're ready to read it with me, in every stanza you will read this underlying theme of the word covering. Covering. It's really cool uh, things that are good to be covered by things that are bad to be covered by, we will read it in this section. 
But we were reading this song, the word covering. What is covering me? Is it guilt or is it grace? Is it bitterness or is it blessing? Some of you, is it shame covering you or is it the salvation of Christ? Is it fear covering you or is it freedom? I mean, you will see this. Is it unconfessed sin or is it standing in the confidence of the Savior? Like that, this is the question that this song will be asking and, and I'm excited to dive into it. So as I read it, you'll come to realize that sometimes like both of those extremes are at work. I'm covered in fear. It's somehow covered in grace. How? I'm covered in this, this worry right now, but I'm also covered in his provision. And there's a wrestling that, that we are going to read because of the grace of God. There, there's, a, there's a wrestling. And so I'm excited to dive into it. I'm going to pray, though. Um, I'm going to pray. God, these 10 verses, there are 10 words, there are 10 sets of words thrown together, and if on their own, they mean one thing. But God, I believe that together, organized in the way that you have inspired, put in the way that you have structured, they're living and they're active. And they are sharper than any sword. They penetrate, they separate, they reveal, they give hope and meaning. So, Father, I pray that right now you meet us in it. And Jesus, that you speak. To you be the glory. Amen. So, Psalm 32, verse 1, it says, Blessed are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is, that word, covered. Blessed are those in whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and in whose, whose spirit there is no deceit. It says, for a while I kept silent, my body wasted away. Maybe your, your translation says, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For night and day, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up, as the heat of the summer. Selah. It's really interesting. Uh, David, in many of the Psalms, this is just like a little, a fun little aside for you when you read the Psalm. Many of the times, uh, he will start off with the overlying theme of what he's learned. And then he gets into it. So what he's learned is, hey, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed are those whose sins have been covered. Blessed are those whom the Lord imputes no iniquity. And instead, their spirit has no deceit. Blessed are those who, who are not full of iniquity, but instead have no deceit. It's beautiful. But then he gets really vulnerable. And what the cool thing is, is uh, this is not a solo song. He's now having all of Israel sing this with him. Hey, you remember those times when I kept silent about my sin? Anyone else have those times? When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning, through my anger. Anyone else, you're just bitter and you're just reacting to everyone else, but really it's because you're keeping silent about your sins. That word deceit really just means uh, that, that you were believing lies. There was false belief in the spirit. And so when David kept silent, he had deceit. 
and his body was wasting away. And now all of Israel, we're singing this right with him. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength faded. He gets so real with us. Uh, while I thought I had to like, keep getting things covered up, my soul was wasting away. If you know anything about the story, right, if you remember when David had sex with Bathsheba, what was his result? I gotta cover it. I gotta get Uriah into her bed so that I can cover it. Because I'm keeping silent. And we see him do this spiral and get further and further and unconfessed sin becomes all-consuming. And, and it's interesting though because as we cover up our sin, our pride, as I cover up my fears, as we cover up our insecurities, which some of you are like, insecurities can't be the same as where he went. No, they're all, they're all bad, hard, destructive. And as I covered up my own sin, the silence, the deceit, it actually um, creates what should be a cover for us. Think about this. When I keep silent, it means what should be a cover for me, the hand of the Lord, ends up being a pressure against me. It's really interesting. When I keep silent about my sin, that which should hold me begins to be this pushed down against me. And it's not really right against me. It's against all, it's against all the things that I'm covering. And so I actually want to bring up a volunteer to show this. I, pre I prepped him for coming up. Can I have my volunteer up? Uh, I've never done this, so all of you are here for it. Here we go. Uh, I have a volunteer up here, and I told him, this is all I said. I said, hey, can I have your help on stage today? And he said, sure, what am I doing? And I said, I just need you to stand there and let me do to you what I do to you. And he goes, okay. <laughs> so here he is, this is Taylor. Everyone say hi, Taylor. Or his, his grandma calls him Robert. So you can say, hi, Robert. Hi, Robert. Yeah, both. He'll respond to both. But what we see in scripture is how all-consuming David's sins were. He, in his arrogance, while the time when the kings should be off at war, he thinks, I'm good. I've got this boat going well. I'm good. So he stands on the rooftop of his city. And in all arrogance, he spots something that is not yet his in his city. And she's beautiful. We miss over the fact that he had his messengers take her. And he raped her. She didn't want to be taken advantage of. And then, to make matters worse, he covers it up. And it becomes all-consuming. And then Uriah, a better man, says, I'm not going to go to my house while the people of God have no house to be in. While the, while the ark of God is, is not in a house, I can't go be in my house. And we see Uriah be a better man. And David spiral and sent Uriah with his death letter to his death. It's so messed up. But what we don't realize is... When we sin, we begin on our own to place to place a covering on us. Now, this is what I've noticed. Hey, we'll talk about the fact that he looks like a ghost in a minute. This is what I've come to note. I was a youth pastor for seven years. You see this really amplified in children. You see this really amplified in youth. That the moment we sin, we cover. 
And instantly now, there is a block between everyone else. And so he keeps covering. And the purpose in the sin of the covering of the sin is now his role is to protect his own back. But think about it. David then makes sure his back is covered the whole time. But can we talk about how that is actually the greatest sin of all time? Because we are trying to cover ourselves when really the Lord has the right to cover me. Who am I to say that I need to cover myself? So in doing this, David believes he's like a God. I am enough to cover myself. And I'll just keep fixing it. And I, that's literally the heart of all sin. So when I cover it up, Anyone remember when we sin and we just keep trying to act like it's not there? We keep trying to act like hey, there's no problem, there's no fear. I'm not afraid. I'm not insecure. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not struggling with this lust problem. I'm not struggling with 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 this belief issue. And as I hold it tight and closed and under, what I'm saying is, this is mine to handle. And what I'm denying is, the Lord is greater than this. Greater than me, greater than this issue. And the presence of God, literally, I've heard this. I thank you so much for those of you who, someone who said this. Someone said, He's going to get so hot in there. Who, who said it? Just show me. Yeah. What happens? The greenhouse effect. I need you to realize the greenhouse effect takes place literally when He says, For day and night, your hand was over me You're like how could god be so mean no his his presence is all place everywhere but when i try to cover myself up with something else like the summer heat it gets hot my soul wastes away when i try to do it on my own outside of the presence of god then everything that he has and is doing and is for me begins to actually feel harder heavier because it's not on me it's on the outside and amplified inside greenhouse effect right isn't that crazy i i understand that. i have stories of that like i have a testimony of that the very presence of god i wrote this down the heat of his presence which should feel warm begins to feel suffocating i always tell like when people are out it's because when they're gone, when they don't want to be around us anymore, it's because they got their cover. They got their cover. And the goodness of God becomes suffocating. Becomes suffocating. He feels heavy. And why? Because there's this layer of undealt with sin that we keep trying to walk around with. And if some of you said ghost, he did it... Uh, Paul says, right? Paul says, when I was dead in my sins, you know, I was a dead man walking. He looks like a ghost. <laughs> he was a dead man walking. And I want you to write this down. But we interact through what we are covered by. Just truth. You will always interact through what you are covered by. You will react through what you're covered by. You will engage and respond. You will treat your spouse through what you are covered by. You will treat your, your co-workers through what you are covered by. And so, like, 
David, covered with pride, interacts through pride. David, covered by anger, when he hears Uriah wouldn't go sleep with his wife, he reacted through that anger. David, when he was covered with bitterness, he engaged through life with the bitterness. When I'm like covered in worry, I begin to engage with my children through worry, right? When I'm cutting, I don't, you don't want to be around Greg when I'm covered in worry. Like I'm like a steamboat, you want to calm down. My wife says, I rebuke you. <laughs> She's like a neighbor to me a lot. Because when I'm covered with, with stress, I begin to interact through that. I wrote this down and I believe that someone, when you're covered with undealt with memories, you begin to react through those memories still. It did become a lens in which you see things through. When you are covered by sexual sins of your past, you begin to think through the lens that they provided. When you're covered by stress, that selfish belief is more about you. It's of more importance than anything else. We begin to interact through what we are covered by. And the whole time your bones ache, I mean my bones ache, our bones ache because it doesn't seem right and things aren't feeling right and we can't respond right. And the Lord's like, because you got a sheet on your face. Like, why can't anyone see me? Ever thought, I don't, why can't anyone understand me? Some of you, like, oh, I need to. You've been a part of this church for a long time, and you're wondering why you feel like you're the outcast. Because never once have you confessed your sins to one another and found healing. And so you're like, why can't anyone see me? And I'm like, because brother, you got a sheet on your face. Sister, there's a covering. We, we got to realize that we interact through what we are covered by, and the whole time, be, uh, David begins showing us this. Here's another little thing about the covering. You're doing so great up here. The covering of sin begins to be this nonstop pursuit of making sure, like, my back is covered, right? But the whole time, it hides us from experiencing the blessings of the Lord. Like, that's what David is missing out on the whole time. That's what this guy right up here is missing out on as he stands up here, making sure that his back is covered. He misses the provisions of the Lord. We're running, we're, we're shaping, we're, we're doing greed. Like, think about it, greed. The whole time while you try to make sure that your home is prepared for, you're missing out on the provision of the Lord. Greed, it destroys the American church because we're full of greedy people who are consumers. And as we make sure that our house is good, our bank accounts are full, we begin actually hiding covering, keeping, maintaining. And the blessing of the Lord is so far from us. In all the cases, we're walking like a dead man. But it says, blessed is the one whose sins are covered. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. In the heat of the summer, my strength was dried off. But then it says this, verse five, we're gonna continue. It says, then I acknowledged my sin to you. Beautiful. And I did not hide my iniquity. Some of your translation actually uses that word cover again. I did not cover my sins. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. <coughs> Selah. You see, David, after Nathan had to call him out, we're going to breathe in just a second. 
You got it, you got it. He says, I acknowledged my sin to you. I acknowledged. I did not cover it up anymore. I acknowledged my sin to you. And the beauty, if we could just see this, this like covering of the Lord. Now, not only is Taylor covered by the Lord, but his sin is properly covered by the Lord. Like this is the beautiful. I present it to you, and I am covered by your presence. I, I will confess my transgressions, and you forgive me of my guilt. This is the beauty of what David finally did after the fact. You can head on out, all right? You, you got it. Yeah, everyone give him a round of applause. <laughs> you see, David was covered by the sins that were covered. It, David was covered by the sins that were covered. But then once he presents that down, the sins are covered by the same thing David is covered by, God's grace. That's a whole wordplay, right? It begins cleansed. Scripture will say we are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, right? Like he took that which was tainted and he made us washed white as snow. It's not that he denies or doesn't look at our sin anymore. It's that he literally covers it. It's changed. It's redeemed. It's clean. I acknowledge my sins to you. And, and this literally means, if you want to write notes, it's not on here. It means by whatever means necessary, I made it known. I acknowledged it. I presented it. I revealed the hatefulness of it to you. I did not hide it anymore. I did not cover it up. I showed it to you, and you forgave me. You see, years after David, Jesus would be in a room, a house of a Pharisee. Some of you know this. I love this story in the Gospels. He's invited into the house of a Pharisee full of other Pharisees and barges into this whole little pharmaceutical dinner is this woman who is known in the city as being a prostitute. We don't know this until Jesus will speak, but this woman has already made herself known to Jesus, and he's already forgiven her. There's already this pre-moment, and she hears the Savior is in a house. She barges in, falls at his feet, and washes. And he looks to them, and he says this right here, like, she loved me great. She loved me greatly because she was forgiven greatly. She loves with much because she was forgiven with much. In fact, you want to, radical love comes from radical forgiveness. And I just feel like a lot of us miss out on the radical love of the Father because there's a little forgiveness in our life because we, we will not come to Him. And then she does this like very boisterous, outgoing, radical display of love. She goes into a place that she's not welcome. Falls on the feet of the Savior and just wails and cries and everyone's feeling really awkward and confused. And Jesus says, no, she loves much because she's been forgiven much. Radical love comes from this radical forgiveness, but that comes from this word confession. And it must constantly, like Jesus, take this. I think the reason I lack radical love is because there's still a lot in my life that I've got to uncover and throw to the Lord. 
There's a lot of, I, I still struggle with radical love to my children because I still am covered by things of my own doing. Anyone else? Like I still, and now does that, is that negate the covering of the Lord? No, but it does, it does halt my sanctification sometimes. Anyone just struggle with the same thing over and over? It's because you're not handing it to the Lord. Not handing it to the Lord. But it's beautiful. Because the psalmist continues, and there's this calling to, like, remove the sheet and present it. And he says, hey, therefore, let all who are faithful offer the prayer to you. And in the psalm, there's a pause. Offer what prayer? That prayer for forgiveness. Why? What happens then? At a time of distress, then, the rush of mighty waters will not reach them. Why? Because they're covered by me. Anything that wants to come at them, they're covered. Because... He's a hiding place for us. He preserves us from all trouble. Trouble. He surrounds us with glad shouts of deliverance. This is cool. I had uh, the opportunity to uh, do some things that were out of my comfort zone in our small group. I used to just shout out for small groups. If you're not a part of one, you should be part of one. Because ours is pretty cool. And it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I was... Talking, this this has been a long time of me not listening to the Lord, but I finally listened to the Lord on Tuesday and did the awkward thing. He wanted me to pray over uh, and actually like anoint two guys in our small group, and that's not my my past. Like I'm a Baptist boy, we don't do that kind of stuff. Uh, but he stretched me, and it was because on one of our our men's morning Bible study, he gave me a a, a, a picture. But one of the guys who was saying, like, I just don't feel the joy of the Lord very much. And as he was talking, I just saw the opposite. I saw one day where deliverance would happen and he would have a shout of joy. Like, literally, I saw him see someone who either was saved or delivered or, or, or found freedom in something. And he was just, like, jumping. Woo! So I, like told him that. And he was like, that just does not sound. I was like, well, I've seen it. Like, it's you. So we anointed that and him and his wife literally said, I've been praying for that for him for a long time. But I say this because we are surrounded constantly with shouts of deliverance from the Lord. And what I saw him do was tapping into that. Because the, the word deliverance means set free. The word deliverance here is this beautiful picture of like that which is old becomes new. In fact, like when we say a woman delivered a baby, that's because the Hebrew word for deliverance actually means birth, new life. And so when there's new life, there's shouts of joy. The father gives shouts, you surround me. And then the psalm changes who is speaking. And I love this. Verse 8. It changes who is speaking, and I have to believe that like, when David presented this to the Lord, he heard the Lord's response. Because now it's not me talking to the Lord anymore, it's the Lord talking. It's really cool. It changes instantly. And it says this, uh, let me go to the next one. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. The word my eye over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule who is without understanding, whose temper must be curbed, because the horse will only respond through what it's covered in. Temper. The horse will only respond through what it's covered in. But don't be like that. 
Because a horse has to stay attached to the master in order to stay near the master. But God is literally saying this to David. Hey, David, now that you've handed me that, stay near to me. Stay near to me. Don't be like an animal that can't be near to me unless I drag you near to me. Be near. And I will teach you. My covering will be over you. My eye will be on you. I will make, I will make restitution. I will, be, I will bring peace. I will teach you where you should go. I will tell you many of the times we are like little understanding. We are like a horse with little understanding. Because we are still holding that which should be presented. We're still covered by that which should be presented. But then it ends this way in verse 10. Many are the torments of the wicked. Those who are like ghosts. But steadfast love surrounds those. Is, is a covering for those who trust in the Lord. So be glad in the Lord, O righteous. And shout for joy, all you upright in heart. And the psalm ends. Now I would do injustice to this psalm if we did not take into account you. If you were up here, like Taylor was, owning the fact in front of the presence of the Lord that there are undealt with things in your life. That you haven't paused, breathed, and surrendered. Taylor was up here with all eyes to see him be covered. But the Lord already knows that you're covered by sin. The Lord already knows that on a daily basis I have to intentionally take off the covering of these expectations that I think that I have to spit in, that I have to maintain, uh, these expectations that I think are my covering. And he's like, no, I need you to throw that down because you are now interacting through those and you're missing who you are and who I am. And so for some of you, there is some literal sins, actions that you haven't laid down. And I will tell you, like Nathan did to David, you will see the sword in your home. You will see the sword in your home until you confess. You will feel the heat of the summer until you put it down. Some of you who don't want to admit the strife, the memories, the nightmares. But you can get to only see everything through it. Lay it down. Lay it down. So man, I invite you guys to come on up. I, I don't know what that is for you, but I'm going to leave some space for you to do it. Father, in this place right now, I, I have my hands open to you. I pray right now for the heart who feels so heavy, whose week has been full of groaning, whose body feels so achy, whose spirit just feels the heat God, I pray that we can take a hard look at ourselves. 
are we? Are we like the heart of David? Gone astray. Covering, fighting, striving. What needs to be laid down? Church, I invite you, if that is something you need to do, don't leave this moment. I just want you to know how much the enemy doesn't want it. There are never people in this kitchen. <laughs> there are never people in this kitchen on a Sunday. But on the day that you hear that your stress can be alleviated, that the weight that you feel can have freedom, the enemy is like, no, I don't want them to hear that. I need to keep this deceit in their heart that they doubt, that they don't believe, that they don't trust. But my eyes are on you, Jesus. Silence the distractions. And call us into alignment with you. What needs to be taken off? What needs to be presented? Maybe you need to do so with a, a friend. Prayer team. If you guys just want to be on the sides, maybe you need to do so with a person. Maybe you need to go to them and say, I've never done this before, but I've been struggling with this for so long and no one knows. And it feels so simple, but I just am not happy with myself. Or I've done this and I've been told you, you know what it is. Prayer team, if you guys can spread it around. Give them an opportunity to respond with you. Jesus, I pray that you are exalted. You are exalted by our act of humility. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.